Welcome to the weekend edition of the Daily Stoic. Each weekday, we bring you a meditation inspired by the ancient Stoics, something to help you live up to those four Stoic virtues of courage, justice, temperance, and wisdom. And then here on the weekend, we take a deeper dive into those same topics. We interview Stoic philosophers. We explore at length how these Stoic ideas can be applied to our actual lives and the challenging issues of our time. Here on the weekend, when you have a little bit more space, when things have slowed down, be sure to take some time to think, to go for a walk, to sit with your journal, and most importantly, to prepare for what the week ahead may bring. As you know, Stoicism has had a big impact on my life, and it's helped me so much through the last 15 years. And it's something I try to share with others sometimes. That's a book recommendation. One of the things we've tried to do over the years is create some physical embodiments of Stoic philosophy, just sort of physical reminders of these ideas. I've got the Marcus Aurelius bust on my desk. My whole office, my, my home even, is sort of reminders of these ideas from the ancient Stoics. Maybe that's something you would want this time of year, or as you're looking to give something to someone in your life, to, to introduce them to the ideas of Stoicism, maybe that's members of your team or your unit, maybe that's a friend you know who's going through something. Anyways, we put together a 2021 gift guide uh, of these things. You can check that out at dailystoic.com slash gift guide. It's 10 awesome gift ideas for the Stoics in your life. The Obstacles of the Way Leatherbound book, the Daily Stoic Leatherbound book. We've got action guides. We've got digital courses. There's the Daily Stoic Life membership. We've got signed personalized editions of all my books. Awesome stuff like that for you or for someone in your life. Check that out at dailystoic.com slash gift guide. Hey, it's Ryan. Welcome to another Sunday episode of the Daily Stoic Podcast. I think one of the things I miss the most from the pandemic is obviously not just being in with people, but like the Q&As that I would get to do in my talks in person, like to go back and forth with the audience, people come up to you afterwards. Well, that's obviously out the window or has been out the window on pause. Most things have gone virtual. Uh, but one thing we do every year at Daily Stoic, including last year, is this New Year, New You Challenge, where uh, we all get together and do three weeks of like Stoic-inspired challenges that make you better. And uh, in today's episode, I wanted to bring you some of the Q&A that I got to do as part of that. Uh, we do three Q&As as part of the challenge, uh, one at the end of each week. It's a Zoom chat. We all go back and forth. People ask questions. We talk about how things are going. I try to answer as many of the Stoic questions as they have. And so in today's episode, I wanted to give you the best of last year's Q&A and hopefully in the process, give you a peek at what you are missing if you don't sign up for the Daily Stoic New Year, New You Challenge. It's one of the best things that we do here at Daily Stoic. It's also one of the, the best things I do as a person that helps me kick off having a great year. They're challenges, right? So it's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to get you out of your comfort zone. That's what I wanted to bring you in today's episode. Here is me answering some Stoic questions. It's part of the Daily Stoic New Year, New You Challenge, which you can sign up for right now before it's too late at dailystoic.com slash challenge. We'd love to have you. How much longer are you going to wait to demand the best for yourself? That's what Epictetus says. And uh, that's one of the things we talk about in today's episode. 
this is so cool. Thanks for thanks for doing this. Uh, I'm really excited. It is 2021, which uh, is both exciting and terrifying, given what we what we know about 2020. Um, what I thought we'd do today is I was going to sort of just just kick off with some thoughts, and then we will go to questions. I was thinking about, so we did this challenge last year and there was a, a few days that have sort of jumped out at me. I think we started with uh, a cold plunge, the idea of, of sort of uh, willingly submitting yourself to adversity. And then um, there, I remember there was one about setting up an emergency fund, which, uh, Billy, will you mute your line for me? Yep. There was a there was an idea of having an, an emergency uh, an emergency fund uh, in case one might need one uh, in the course of a year. So that turned out to be pretty prescient. But I think even the idea of challenges, right? And this is what we're doing here this year: the idea of seeking out challenges and adversity, so that when uh, life throws these things at you, you have some preparation or experience dealing with that. And, and so uh, as over the next 21 days, we're going to go through a bunch of different challenges. Some will be sort of mental challenges, some will be physical challenges, some will be emotional challenges. Um, but but in, in each instance, what we're trying to do is, is force you to stretch a little bit, force you to think maybe from a different perspective, uh, force you to do something outside your comfort zone. The idea being that, that if, if one cultivates uh, this ability, if one does what, what Seneca calls a, a hard winter's training, when the winter of life arises, then, then, then one, one, one can, can step up and, and is confident uh, in, in their ability to step up. And so um, that's where we are. Uh, obviously, uh, 2020 was not the, uh, the year that I think many of us looked for or hoped for, even if you emerged unscathed, uh, it, it certainly wasn't what you'd planned on experiencing. But then, but then here we are. The, you know, the Stoics would say, "It's not what happens; it's how we respond." And so, I, I hope that over the last twelve months, you guys have, have found things that you're proud of how you responded. Maybe things uh, that you see as as needing room for improvement. When I uh, when I was designing day one, that's sort of what we were thinking about. I think. At the very least, we can all look back at the last 12 months um, by nature of, of, of being here on this call and, and, and give ourselves some credit for having survived a, a, a historic year, a strange year, a surreal year. Um, we're, we're still here. And if, if you had some sort of questions about how people in the past got through things, how Marcus gets through the Antonine Plague, maybe how uh, your ancestors survived uh, political unrest or uh, how they responded to um, you know, moments of trials and difficulties. Well, th this, this was a year for the history books and, and our children and their children will look back at 2020 and, and sort of marvel that so many strange and, and difficult things could happen within 12 months. I, I love the joke that 2020 is the, the longest decade of, of our lives. Um, but, but, but we're all here. We all made it through. Um, and, and I think that says something. And so when, when, we, when we're doing for day one, which is this sort of review of what gives us hope, I think, you know, we're not just, hey, what magical things do we think are, are around the corner? That's, that's not what the hope side of things are. It's what, what's up to you, what in your own conduct, in your own, uh, your own experiences over the last 12 months do you find some measure of confidence or faith in? And I think uh, we, we can start with, with the fact that we're all still here. Um, 
I was, uh, I was thinking about, you know, I was thinking about this this morning. We can look at all the, all the ways that our fellow human beings have let us down over the last 12 months. And that can make us sort of despair or resentful or uh, alarmed, or we can focus on the, the, the people that have, that have, have measured up, whether that's the frontline responders, whether it's the, uh, you know, the, the, the medical minds that have, have now rushed through a, a vaccine in record time, um, whether it's, you know, your, your neighbors who have been helpful or, or kind, um, maybe it's your grandparents uh, or, or uh, you know, your parents who've, who've stepped up and helped in some way. So when, I, when I'm talking about looking at hope, I think I, I, what we're really talking about is looking at the glass, the glass half full. Where where have people done well? Um, and and one of the things that gives me hope is is even that we're we're here talking that that you know even even after all of the challenges of the last twelve months, that all the people on this call got together in in December and said, you know what, I'd like to start twenty twenty one off with some voluntary hardships. With uh, with I want to I want to actively seek out difficulty. So I love that. Um, and then uh, for for today's challenge, this idea of stopping a backslide. I, I, this one I was thinking about also in relation to the fact that um, in in twenty twenty when we did this challenge, we 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 had all these ambitious goals and ideals. Uh, every year we start out with resolutions. Um, I I had one about uh, the mile time that I wanted to set. I had one about certain habits I wanted to break, certain activities that I wanted to start. And I started those things as as we often do, but then um, but then uh, I, I started to see myself backsliding in them. And so instead of trying to, you know, uh, do do a new, just add new things on top of it, what I was really thinking about with today's challenge was okay, where is something that we can do? Uh, where where's something where we can stop a decline rather than adding something new? And there'll be a day coming up that I think you guys will like. We did a day that's about adding on uh, where 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 you've had a success. But I think also instead of trying to uh, get distracted by a new thing, I just wanted to, to I wanted everyone to stop and think about you know where where they've backslid. So for me, it's it's been some social media habits. I've been really good, really disciplined about how much time I spend on social media, what role it plays in my life. but but you know uh, then we this is how sort of addictive things work. We make excuses, we make exceptions, and then those things snowball. So I've watched you know sort of as we uh, uh, you know started the year strong, and then and then the pandemic news, and then wildfire news, and then and then the election, and then uh, you know uh, and then and then uh, you know you're going into the end of the year, and you're spending time more time indoors. All of a sudden, you can find yourself sort of backsliding on these habits. So that's something. I, even today, I've been finding. It's it's interesting to me how much even habits sort of get inculcated in our muscle memory. So you know you pick up your phone to do one thing. That's almost like how you drive to work. You know your your body just sort of makes the turn as you get there without it even being conscious. And I was watching myself do that even even on my social media habits. So that's one I'm going to be working on. I'm not going to create some new resolution. I'm just going to focus on, you know, really setting uh, and, and sticking with one that I worked on last year. So those are the two days. I don't want to spoil, uh, you know, too much of what we have to come, but I, I'm really excited about this year's um, one of the upsides of the pandemic is we had more time to work on it, of course. Um, and uh, and now that we've done this three or four years, we've got a lot of data on what people like and don't like. Um, 
but uh, but I'm excited for the days to come. You might have a, a, a slight preview in the in the calendar we sent. And I know uh, there was a mix up; it didn't get sent out at the beginning. But you you can kind of tell from the icons of what's to come. But uh, we've we've got you know 21 more days. We'll do this call next weekend, and then uh, the the final weekend as well. Um, one thing I would say, something that I that that is always interesting to me, and I know I've teased this a little bit in some of the messages, but it's interesting. We like obviously on the back end, I get to see all the people that sign up, and it's so exciting. You watch all these people sign up. You're like, all of us are going to get together. We're going to make changes. We're going to do this together. But what's always interesting is I watch. I can also see the open rates of the emails go. At first half, it's funny. Um, like uh, the first day. Uh, a bunch of people click unsubscribe on the email and then immediately email customer service the next day and ask why they're not getting the emails anymore. Um, but but I also, uh, and those are always the people that are the most angry, um, even though we can tell why they're not getting it. Um, but, but um, you know, I can watch the open rates of the emails as we go through the challenge. And uh, I obviously, on we send an email every day for Daily Stoke and I don't take it personally that people don't always open the Daily Stoke emails. But it's it's fascinating to watch, and I think it's sort of a microcosm of how human beings work. Well, first off, you know, people sign up for the we, we send out the email in mid mid December, and some people are like, yes, I want to do it. And then you also watch the people who wait until the absolute last minute, um, and they they squeak in just under the wire. And then um, you know, the last two days, I've gotten a lot of people who have emailed, "Is it too late to sign up? Can I please sign up?" So they're they're starting the year off with some procrastination as as uh, as 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 humans are wont to do. But but it's interesting to watch people who did sign up, who did pay for a thing, who had every intention of doing it. You know, you watch um, the open rate diminish at every single day through the end of the challenge. It starts at 100%. And then by the end, the open rate is much, much lower. Um, it, it usually gets to about half. And that, that's something that, confer, that, that confirms something that a, a friend of mine who, who, who sells a lot of online courses was telling me. He's like, the open rate on courses is 50%. These are things that people pay for um, and they have every intention of doing it. And then they just, they don't do it. So it, it's funny to think that, you know, the, the real battle is not even in the day's challenge. The, day, the, the real battle is in, do you open the challenge in the morning? Um, I read this great book by, uh, by Twyla Tharp. She's uh, this choreographer and dancer. And she talks about her morning routine. And she says, you might think the win for me is like getting to the gym, to the studio and doing my exercises and my practice and, and work. She's like, really, the, the victory is, did I get downstairs to, to, to the street in the morning? She's like, if I get up, get my stuff on and get in the elevator, like it, it's it, we think it's like getting to the studio, but actually there's all these much smaller battles on the way there that once you get over those, then you start to get momentum. Uh, and, and then you're, it, it's, it's almost like, she's like, if I get in the cab, I'm, I'm going to show up at the studio. Never does, does she get to the studio and doesn't do the work. It's the problem is, does she make excuses before she gets out of bed? Or does she get out of excuse? Does she, you know, does she make an excuse before she makes coffee? Does she, you know, before, before, before? And so um, when when James Clear, who, who's, uh, whose book we mentioned in day one, when he's talking about atomic habits, he's not just talking about these, and I was talking to James last night, he's not just talking about these explosive, enormous habits that, you know, change everything. 
He's he's also saying that, you know, an atom, an atom is the absolute smallest thing. And he's talking, so what he's really talking about is the smallest, smallest thing. And so um, uh, if I could sort of leave with 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 one thing, it's it's just you know, just open, just open the email. You don't, you don't have to do all, don't, don't say, well, I don't know if I want to do that one. Just, just promise yourself you'll open the email every day for 21 days. You can decide you don't like the challenge when you get there, or you can tweak it, or you can do it some other way. The main thing though, is just open the challenge. That's really what we're talking about. Um, just open the challenge. And I, look, I would encourage you to try. It can be easy. Even me, like I, I try to do, I do the challenge every day, even though I wrote them. Um, but, but what I try to think about is like, it's not enough to just like, I could have got day one and gone, okay. Um, yeah. What am I hopeful about? No, like really sit down with a piece of paper and follow the instructions. Like really do it. We have a day that's coming that you'll see is about putting something up in your house. Don't be like, yeah, 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 I get it. And, and do your own sort of smaller, ver- I, I would urge you to really put yourself out there to really try to really do it. We, we think these through for a reason and, and we put a lot of thought and energy in them. So um, if you can think about that, that would be great. Um, the, uh, they're supposed to be uncomfortable. They're supposed to be a little bit weird. Some of them might even feel a little bit cheesy. Um, like I have, uh, I have right here. Um, I can't really show you, but I have an index card from one of the previous challenge where you had to write epithets to yourself, like sort of little reminders about sort of the virtues that you uh, that you want to embody. This is something that comes from Marcus Aurelius. And, and it felt a little weird writing that down. And sometimes people have come into my office and said, what is that? But you know, I have looked at this card, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times in the two years since it's been taped to my monitor. And it really has made a big difference. And if I had just kind of phoned it in and said, oh, okay, I get the point of today's email, just sort of skimmed it. Um, I don't think I would have gotten those benefits. So uh, that's, uh, that's sort of all I had as a kickoff. Uh, I don't, I don't, you, you guys are going to hear enough from me uh, just sort of talking at you over uh, the next 21 days. So I thought we could maybe do questions or people could could share. The Daily Stoic is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. One of the cool things about podcasts is that you can multitask while you're listening, but depending on what you're doing right now, like for instance, if you're not in some kind of moving vehicle, there's something else you could be doing. You could be getting an auto quote from Progressive Insurance. It's easy and you could save money by doing it right from your phone. Drivers who save by switching to Progressive save nearly $700 on average and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Discounts for having multiple vehicles on your policy, being a homeowner and more. So just like your favorite podcast, Progressive will be with you 24-7, 365 days a year. So you're protected no matter what. Multitask right now. Quote your car insurance at Progressive.com to join over 29 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $698 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Someone asked my favorite copy of meditations. All right. So this is my favorite copy of meditations. Uh, this is the Gregory Hayes translation for the modern library. Uh, you can see that here. Um, there's a newer version. I don't know what it looks. I don't know where it is. 
There's a there's a new version uh, of the same book that's got a, a sort of a black cover with like oh there it is with a bird on it. Uh, Robert here. Uh, so you can see it here. Robert has it. Um, anyways, uh, I like the Gregory Hayes translation. I think it's the best one. Um, it's it's I think the most lyrical and readable. Uh, it's just it's just great. Um, the the tricky thing about it, especially if you're international is Amazon sort of sometimes lumps together some of the more mediocre uh, translations. So just be really clear you're getting that one. There is a hardcover version of the uh, the Hayes translation, but um, just make sure you get that one if, if you're looking. And I don't think there's an audiobook. So if you're trying to buy the audiobook, it's not great. Um, all right. Um, what uh, Maxine is saying, what, ha what strategy would you suggest uh, to avoid falling off a habit again. Um, the, from we, we have another challenge that we do called the habit challenge. Um, and if you're a Daily Stoke Life member, you get that for free. But um, one of the things we found when we were researching the habit challenge is that it's it's about the number of times that you do it in a short period. So it's I think the research is it takes about 20, 20 to 21 days for a habit to take root. So it, I, it, this seems somewhat unsexy, but it, I think it's really about white knuckling it for a, a set period of time. So don't so don't think about it, I have to do this forever. Think about it more like, look, I gotta do this for three weeks um, and, and create some sort of system or habit to do it for three weeks. We used to use an app called Spar and then it just uh, it, it, it just got a little tricky as, as the challenges got bigger and bigger to coordinate with everyone. But there's an app called Spar that I like, uh, just it's Spar with an exclamation point. Um, and uh, what it sort of does is, is uh, you like you commit with like a group of people. So like let's say you you all wanted to do journaling and that was a habit you backslid on, or you you wanted to floss. Like I did a floss one a couple of years ago. Um, and and what you do on there is uh, there's a pot. And it, it, you have to check in with the challenge each day, and uh, if it doesn't, if you miss a challenge, it charges you whatever the agreed upon amount is. And then at the end, the, the winners who make it all the way uh, through. Um, uh, they split the pot. So it's, it can kind of create some accountability, but then also like community. And then there's also some rewards. So I, I like that as well. Um, Chris is saying, what have we learned from previous year's challenges uh, that we make sure? Um, well, thanks for doing this for the first time, Chris. Um, and we're going to keep doing them every year. So I hope to see you next year as well. I think one of the things we found is that um, the more specific the challenge is, the more people get out of it. So um, like, again, with day one, instead of it being like, you know, think about all that's made you hopeful, it's like, write it down. So so we found that um, the more literal it is, like it, it's actually something you have to do and that thing has to be challenging, uh, the, the more it is. Uh, and, and, and so we've come up with some fun ones. Like, um, we did one, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but, um, it, to, to practice stillness, we did one where you had to count to a thousand, uh, in one, in one setting, um, which was a, which was a strange, a strange thing. I'd never counted to a thousand before. I don't know whatever the highest number I've counted to was, but to, to really just sit and count to a thousand, was different than say like be still for twenty minutes, like to go okay no you have to count to a thousand, um, and and that that sort of created a physical sensation um, and and uh, and a and a deliberateness to it that was that was really great um, that I enjoyed. Um, 
Someone uh, is asking about the Slack channel. Yeah, there's just a Slack channel that, that uh, and you can join. It's linked at the bottom of the email. And uh, maybe, um, Billy, do you want to post it here um, in the chat for everyone in case they don't have it? Um, but it's, it's just a way to discuss each day's challenge and everyone sort of shares how they're, how they're doing. It's by no means uh, mandatory. And, and uh, if you have technical troubles, like don't worry about it. We're trying to find a, 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 a solution that does all this. So you don't have to use like Zoom and Slack and email, but, uh, but, uh, but have not found a great solution so far. Hi, Laura, you wanna go? Yeah, hi, Ryan. Hi, everybody. Hi. Um, how do you ensure that you find time for, you know, to relax, have a little fun all while staying true to your own stoicism? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think of those two things as being in conflict with each other. Um, you know, I think when, when we, uh, when we talk about this stuff of, of like memento mori and, and the shortness of life, to me, it's about designing a life that doesn't, you know, make you a machine. Um, and, and it's, it's creating sort of a balanced life. I, I do think the Epicureans, you know, talk about this a, a bit more, uh, prominently than the Stoics. You get the sense that maybe Marcus Aurelius was struggling with, with the exact question you have, but, but Seneca talks about how the mind has to be given over to relaxation. He talks about hobbies. He talks about taking long walks. So for me, it, it's, it's less about like, how do I make time and more about how do I build my life around um, the idea that all these things are equally important. Um, so, you know, instead of, you know, the, instead of like having a life that is so stressful and difficult that you want to take vacations, I try to maybe try to design my, my life or my days. That, so these things are a bit more baked in there. And, and I think, you know, the pandemic has been a good reminder of the importance of that for people. Um, and, and, and I think in some ways it's been a sort of an enormous lifestyle experiment that we're all trying to do together. Um, when, when we're, when certain things aren't possible anymore or, or just sort of happening differently. So, um, I, I would think about it less as like, okay, I'm going to carve out time and more about, I'm going to actually design, uh, my life around those things. I had, um, it hasn't come out yet, but but I think uh, next week um, our uh, our podcast guest is Cal Newport. I had Cal on, and he has this new planner. It's like a time blocking planner, um, and and he was talking about the importance of time blocking, which might be helpful to the the question that you have and and uh, and worth checking out. Oh, thank you. But, yeah, great question. Anyone else uh, have uh, a question they want to ask instead of? All right, let's do this. I think I saw Casper had one. I, I, I'm going to do Jerry here. Jerry, you want to unmute yourself? Can you do that? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, so Jerry's asking, how do you work on habits? Do you do you sort of do it one at a time? Do you work on them all at the same time? I I, I am a big uh, believer in sort of like creating a list, crossing things off the list as you go. So I, I do tend to 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 be working on yeah sort of one area uh, of improvement at a time like and and I think New Year's is a great time to do that where you're like okay these are the big things that I'm working on all at once these are the these are the ones that I'm starting on just as a preview like we're, we have um we have one coming up that's uh in 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 this challenge that's going to be about uh, an evening routine so I've spent a lot of time talking and writing about morning routines. And so that's that's at a place where I'm really comfortable and good with it. So I it's something my wife and I were talking about is like, okay, let's 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 sort of make 
a deliberate focus on improving evening routines and let's get that set. And then who knows, maybe at the evening, we'll get that uh, done this year. And then it, it, maybe the morning routine will have problems again, or maybe, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know what you adjust after, uh, after evening routines, but the, the point is I, I like to focus on one thing at a time and then, and then focus on the next one. But that, but that's a great question. I think if you it, it it can almost be a form of paralysis to try to do a million things at one time and and then then you're really discouraged that you're not making progress. So I, I do try to focus on one thing at a time. Um, uh, Dirk is saying that he started the German version of Daily Stoic uh, in 2017 and he's, he's read it all these days in a row. That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, uh, I know the Daily Stoic is in a bunch of different languages. I've probably only seen three or four, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's really awesome. I appreciate that. Um, who wants to do a, who wants to do a question? Anyone got anything? Yeah. So I, I have two questions if that's fine. Go for so it. The first one is basically how do you incorporate stillness and stoicism? Uh, cause I'm a student right now in terms of procrastination. Mm-hmm. And the second one is I just finished reading Cal Newport's book, digital minimalism. And I just wanted to ask if you if you've tried his digital declutter, and what are your thoughts on it? Yes, yeah. uh, great question. So I think one of the things about procrastination is that it can feel like uh, it, it can feel like, hey, I just don't want to do that right now. I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but really, what you're doing is you're just putting the chaos off to the future. Um, like uh, you know, it, it feels like you're living your ideal life, and then and then suddenly you know you've got to pull a bunch of uh, all-nighters or something, or, or then you've got this anxiety or dread or worry. So to me, one of one of the one of the benefits of having systems and good habits and not putting things off is that um, I feel good. I feel good as good as I can, sort of most of the time. Like I, I'm, I'm feeling. I, I like to to sort of have that even keel where I'm not worried. I'm not putting things off. Uh, but I'm also not just sort of chilling out. I, I just sort of like to have, to me, uh, the result of good, good systems is a certain amount of stillness and relaxation. So, um, I think, uh, like I, I just like to tackle stuff when I get it. I like to tackle it a little bit every day. Uh, I don't do, I don't do a lot of sprints, you know, I don't do a lot of like, okay, I've got to roll up my sleeves and really get serious about this because I've been putting it off for weeks and weeks. I like to just be chipping away at it all the time. So um, for instance, I just finished my next book in uh, December. Uh, I went into my publisher and I'm already starting to think about the next one because what I don't want to do is put it off, put it off. Um, There is a certain amount of discomfort doing a book, so you can want to put them off, but I don't want to put it off. I want to go right into the next one. So I'm just sort of always in, in that in that right headspace. Um, I love Cal stuff. Uh, I, uh, Brass Check, which is my company, did the marketing on digital minimalism. So I think it's a great book and he's, he's a great guy. Um, Cal's, uh, I think, relationship with technology is, I would just describe it as more severe than mine. Um, you know, he, uh, he, he's like, uses a flip phone and stuff. Um, I, I have a, a, let's say a more, uh, uh, engaged relationship with technology, but, um, I, I have a set of sort of bound. So I think when, when people hear minimalism, they think like the minimal amount period, I think he's more talking about like, what's the minimal amount for you? What's the sort of minimum effective dose for you? Um, so I think it's just, it's sort of, there's some relativity there. Like what is 
the best relationship for you to have with these devices or systems that keeps you happy. The sort of test I like to go is like, am I using the tool or is the tool using me? And uh, thinking about it that way is, is, is helps me create some balance. And we have a video coming about this uh, on, um, uh, on the Daily Stoke YouTube channel. So stay tuned for that. And then actually, Billy, what day is the, uh, the, the, the phone free day in the challenge? Do you remember? Um, that is, is it tomorrow? No, it comes. Yeah, it is day three. Tomorrow's. Right. Yep. So Darren, get, get ready. We have a, we actually have a challenge about this tomorrow. Great. Thanks. Cool. Um, someone said I started reading different translations of meditations and really liked it. Oh, thanks, Dirk. Yeah, I, I've this is something I've been working on too. Um, and we had a day about this in an earlier challenge where we talked about read rereading. So um uh obviously uh different phases in your life. Sometimes you're like, I gotta read all this stuff because I know nothing about it. Then you sort of build up some familiarity and knowledge, and, and then the, it creates the opportunity to do some rereading. And one of the things I've been doing is, uh, Robert, I'll get to you in a sec. Um, I've been doing some rereading of classic books, and at each time I'm doing a different translation. Unfortunately, uh, I, I don't speak really any other languages. I, I, I speak a bit of Spanish, but but not much. Certainly not enough to read in Spanish. Um, but but so reading different translators of the same text, it's still in English, also gives you a different perspective, and you realize just how much room for interpretation and and. Uh, and, and uh, explanation there is in these texts. So um, I, I definitely second uh, the advice of reading in different languages or translations. Um, Maxime is saying, when will I announce my next book? I don't know when I'm gonna announce it. Actually, we have like sort of a, uh, a secret sort of fun side project book that'll come out probably in March, which I won't tell you anything about. And then I have my next sort of big book that will be coming probably in the fall of 2021. Um, although it sort of remains to be seen, um, it, it, it's, it's still in the, in the, in the finishing stages. Um, so that's a great one. Where are you, Robert? Robert, you want to go? What do you got? You're still muted. There you go. Yeah. Just, uh, uh, to make the point, I was exposed to stoicism back in the early sixties. Wow. Turn me off. Okay. Turn me off. Said, this is not for me. Uh, and then again in the um, late 70s, uh, my grandfather-in-law had three volumes of meditations. Didn't, didn't I, I took a shot at it, no. And then again, another translation, and uh, it just did not feel good to me. Then I, I somehow came across you. Uh, wound up getting this, uh, this is it. This is a good translation. <laughs> this, <laughs> this makes sense. And uh, uh, it, it's pieces that we can easily integrate into our, our lives. For the last two years, we've been doing this thing that we call the Daily Stoic New Year, New You Challenge. It's 21 actionable challenges, one per day, built around the best Stoic wisdom, but for what? How to be better in the new year. This is the time when we start to think about what we're going to do next, where all the time went, what we wish had gone 
differently or better, how we're still struggling with this or that, how we'd like to, to stop doing this or that. And that's what the New Year New Challenge is, is all about. It's my favorite thing that we do, and it's three weeks of actionable challenges presented in one email per day, built around the best, most timeless wisdom and stoic philosophy. It should help you snap out of this trance we've all found ourselves in and help make 2022 your best year yet, no matter what's happening in the world around you. Go to dailystoic.com slash challenge to join us. I'd love to have you. I'm challenging you to join me. I can't wait to see you. Dailystoic.com slash challenge. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. Opening up to a therapist might feel uncomfortable, exhausting, or exhilarating, but one thing's for certain, if you keep talking or texting with a licensed therapist, you'll gain insights and uncover truths you can only find in therapy. If you want some personal breakthroughs and judgment-free support, you can sign up right now for Talkspace. At Talkspace.com, you sign up online, you get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. It's incredible incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions with your licensed therapist, and you do it from the comfort of your home. There's no need to commute to appointments, miss time at work, or line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy. And to celebrate May, Mental Health Awareness Month, and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering every listener of this podcast 80 bucks off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com slash stoic. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash stoic to get 80 bucks off your first month with code SPACE80. 80 and show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash Stoic code space 80. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases. The time is now more than ever to embrace breathtaking, sinister, and shocking tales that have enthralled you, especially with brand new exclusive thrillers. My wife and I have both been raving about this book, Furious Hours. Whether it's kids' books, my books, thrillers, history books, the Stoics, it doesn't matter. You can find whatever you're looking for on Audible. My belief is that books are important and amazing. I'm a little biased, of course, as an author. And whatever gets them into your brain, I'm all for. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. Visit audible.com slash dailystoic or text dailystoic to 500-500. That's audible.com slash dailystoic or text dailystoic to 500-500. I think that's that's well said. I'm well spent. Well, I I love hearing that, Robert. Thank you, um, and honored to to have turned you on to the right translation. I have a video coming out about this as well that I was working on. I think one of the one of the problems for people who haven't read things in multiple translations to go to the the, the other question earlier is that it can be hard to realize just how much power the translator has. So, like when you read a translation from the eighteen uh, fifties you are not reading a translation of Marcus Aurelius in English. You're reading a translation of Marcus Aurelius in 1850s English. And if you picked up an 1850s novel, stylistically, even if it was in English, it would be difficult to read. So even like I have a translation of meditations from like the 1700s or something like that. And it's got all these thou art and thou shall not. And it, it's it's almost it's biblical. It reads like a, you know, in a very biblical way. Um, and it's, so it's very hard to read. Um, obviously Marcus writing to himself in Greece, uh, in, sorry, in Greek, uh, you know, 2000 years ago was not using any of those phrases. Those were later inventions and, and colloquialisms. And so, um, 
That's just, uh, and, and we went through this doing, doing the Daily Stoic. Um, Steve uh, Hanselman, who's both my agent and my translator, uh, was doing them. And, and sometimes he would come back and translate it. And I'd say, Steve, that seems really dense. I, I don't quite get it. Um, and he'd just come back with a totally new translation because you realize like just how malleable it is. And I think Hayes just does an amazing job making it accessible. So if you've tried to read meditations and you've struggled, um, it may just be the translation. Or maybe you didn't like Hayes, go pick up one of the other ones. Uh, I, I'm not saying it's it's the only one that works. Um, but uh, but what I, I hear from people all the time, they... they um, they uh, they grab like the free translation on the internet, um, and they're trying to save some money, and uh, it it ends up you know uh, being uh, sort of a penny wise, a pound foolish because they don't get the benefit of the uh, uh, of, of 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 the of the book. Um, uh, anyone else have a question? Um, we can keep doing this. Uh, let's do Adam here. I'll unmute you. You got to unmute yourself, Adam. I. There you go. Fantastic. Uh, Lives of the Stoics. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic book and gave me a great perspective on how many sort of philosophers, uh, Stoics there were and sort of how they um, trained and taught one another. But what I'm struggling with is um, maybe it's the, you know, what we were just talking about translators is uh, all of the, 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 the writings or the storytelling from generation to generation and then I guess now translator to translator, I see it as a big spider web of opinions. And uh, sure. I'm struggling with how do I define or distill all of that and uh, think of, uh, okay, this guy's opinion of Marcus's meditations, and there's this guy's opinions, and then there's this guy's opinion. Uh, do you have a, a framework or a methodology that could help me out? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, a great observation. Uh, unfortunately, um, unlike say Christianity, it's not like, uh, you know, in, in the history of Christianity, there are these sort of committees and councils that would get together and they'd be like, look, how many books are there going to be in the Bible? And what's our view on this or that? And these sort of committees of bishops would get together and, and make decisions that we now sort of take for granted uh, when you hear about them or sort of, they seem simple, but but it could have easily gone a different direction, right? Um, there was none of that in Stoicism. And, and not only was there none of that in Stoicism, there wasn't even like, here are the Ten Commandments and here are the views. Um, it, and we have to also realize, this is the really tricky thing that, I, that, that we discovered as we were writing um, Lives of the Stoics, is just wrapping your head around um, how, many, how many or how much of the Stoic texts were lost. You're like, um, Zeno was this prolific writer and like 10 sentences survive, you know, or Chrysippus was this very prominent writer and like a, a poem survives. We have almost nothing. Um, and, and, uh, and even Marcus Aurelius, um, who, who sort of has the most complete text, um, was, was writing to himself. He wasn't saying like, here's the definition of stoicism. Uh, he was, he was really just, uh, writing about what he needed. So even when we read meditations, we should realize that this isn't, this isn't uh, the Bible of Stoicism. This is Marcus Aurelius's notes uh, on, on Stoicism based on what he was most interested in or needed the most. There is um, a couple, let me see. There's an interesting book uh, by Mus that, that was published of Musonius Rufus. 
um, recently, and it's called that, um, that One Should Disdain Hardships, The Teachings of a Roman Stoic. And it's this little interesting book. I read it. So every time I read a book and then I do the notes, I wrote, I write down when I read it. So I read this in March uh, of 2020. Um, but, uh, he, he he sort of has some some really good lectures on stoicism. He sort of he does he is trying to define um, the stuff. And and Musonius Rufus was Epictetus's teacher, so you might like uh, that book, uh, um, uh, which I was not really in print before. And then the other tricky one, um, he's a character in Lives of the Stoics. Uh, I talk about Arius Didymus, um, and he was the advisor to the Emperor Octavian slash Augustus. Um, he wrote a, there's this sort of collection of his writings called, uh, I think, Stoic Ethics uh, by Arius Didymus. And, and it, it's probably the least practical, but it, it does feel the most sort of definitive. Like he's really trying to, he's like defining terms and, and it's, it's not super, I, I won't say either of these books are like riveting self-help, but but it, it might go to your point about like sort of really trying to get to, to some first principles. Um, Connor is asking, was there a Stoic uh, in particular that I was impressed by that you started to research more? One I didn't know about. So yes, um, when we set out to do the book, we sort of agreed on like who the main characters would be. And a lot of them were obvious, right? You know, you're gonna have Marcus Aurelius, you're gonna have Zeno, you're gonna have Cleanthes, you're gonna have Cato, uh, so on and so forth. Um, but but um, when I had uh, one of my favorite books, and I'm forgetting the author's name, uh, let me just look it up. Uh, uh, what's it called? The Storm Before the Storm. Oh, so I, I I interviewed for for the podcast. No, no, not for the podcast. This is a, a written interview. But I interviewed this guy Mike Duncan, uh, who wrote a great book called The Storm Before the Storm, which is a history of the 100 years of Rome before. Um, Julius Caesar overthrew the Republic. Um, and, and I was talking to him about what Stoics, um, you know, he was interested in. And he mentioned this guy, Rutilius Rufus, who I'd seen mentioned in some of Seneca's writings, but I really knew nothing about him. And, and, and Steve, who did uh, a lot of the groundwork on Lives of the Stoics, and my job was to sort of write the stories. Um, I said, Steve, I'd, I'd love for you to find everything we possibly can about Rutilius Rufus. And he said, you know, there's really like nothing about him. Like, I'm, you know, maybe this will fill like a few paragraphs. But we, we managed to find so much stuff on him that he, that he ended up getting his own chapter. And it's, it's actually one of my favorite chapters in the books. Um, He's this guy for people who haven't read Lives of the Stoics. Um, Rutilius Rufus was this was a governor. He's a Stoic uh, philosopher. He's a governor of this Roman province, and he's brought up on false charges um, for corruption. Actually, he wasn't corrupt. He was brought up. He was sort of a Trumpian thing where he sort of accused uh, his enemies accuse him of exactly the thing he's he's. Uh, uh, that they are guilty of. And anyway, so he's he's brought up on these false charges and he ends up being exiled. Um, but he but he's allowed to choose where he wants to be exiled. And he chooses the country that he was chosen of, uh, that he was fraudulently accused of defrauding. And they, of course, welcomed him with open arms because he was a very honest guy. Um, so it's just a fascinating story. And I think it uh, really illustrates like, you know, a stoic sort of struggling in the, in the real world. Um, someone said, I missed a question above. Uh, oh, uh, someone is asking how to introduce Stoics to a young person. 
I guess the question is how young they are. Um, one of the things I'm thinking about is, uh, you know, uh, like how to how to talk about it with kids. So I'm I'm in the middle of of working on a book about that, um, which I, I'm I'm excited to show you guys soon. Um, as as far as teenagers or, or or anything older than that, honestly, I I would just introduce them to the originals. I think one of the way one of the things we try to do with the uh, the podcast and the and and the YouTube videos and Instagram is to make it as accessible as possible. Um, if if you're talking about a 15 year old, just think you know 500 years ago they would have been not just learning the Stoics but learning the Stoics in the original Greek and Latin. Um, George Washington was introduced, uh, you know, to the Stoics at 16 years old. Um, I, I, one of the only uh, founding fathers not to read the Stoics in the original language. The point being, um, I don't think we need to baby kids when they when they come to these books. I, I wish someone had introduced me to the to the Stoics earlier, uh, and I, I think I would have got a lot out of it. Let's do a couple more uh, over Zoom. If people have have questions, just sort of wave your hand, and I'll I'll, I'll catch you. If you can. Thanks. My question, if I can form it right, uh, Amor Fate, the love of fate. Mm -hmm. I am trying to figure out what filter or what system to use where you read something and it does cause a little bit of righteous anger. And instead of truly loving it, you want to fight it and stand up against it. So that's my struggle. Sure. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a tricky part of this. Um, I don't. <clears throat> I think what the Stoics would say is when they're saying um, there's nothing good nor bad, but thinking makes it so. This is Shakespeare, obviously. But when they're saying there's no good or bad, I don't think they're saying there's no such thing as moral and immoral, there's, that there's no such thing as right and wrong. Of course they are. But a core Stoic virtue is the virtue of justice. I think what the Stoics are trying to say is that um, anger, as far as enforcing or seeking out justice, is bad fuel. Um, I mean, I think I, I, I recommended the, uh, the Taylor Branch series on, on Martin Luther King. Um, the, the, what's so powerful about uh, Martin Luther King and, and, the, and the movement that he manages to create is that he does it from a place of love rather than a place of anger. Um, so that that is not to say that he was passive and did not want to affect change. I mean, his driving mission is to create transformative political and social change. Um, but he's, he's realizing that anger is a destructive emotion and, in fact, a counterproductive emotion. He sees that it's actually his opponents who are, who are driven from anger and fear. Um, but he wants to come to it from a place of love. Um, Seneca writes a whole essay called uh, On Anger that I think you would really like. Um, there's a translation uh, by Penguin, uh, no, by Princeton University Press um, that James Rom did that you can check out. I think it's called "How to Keep Your Cool," um, and it's just a, it's selections from that essay and some other places that Seneca talks about anger. But Seneca talks about a, a anger a lot. It, he says, like, look, even if someone murdered your father, he said you should get vengeance. Just don't get vengeance. He says you should get vengeance and justice. Just don't do it out of anger. So I, th this idea that the Stoics are passive, that amor fati means you just accept everything is not quite right. It's that um, <clears throat> you, you accept it as sort of fuel or um, an experience that has occurred in your life. 
But if you have the opportunity to affect change or to be made better for what has happened, that's where you go towards it, not anger, bitterness, resentment, frustration. I mean, look, when you look at what's happening in the world, it's very easy to get angry. But I would, I would argue that anger is more of the problem than the solution. And so that's, that's maybe where I think about it. Someone's asking uh, habits uh, that I've had to incorporate in my life. I don't know if I can think of like the hardest habit that I've that I've uh, had to incorporate in my life, but I would say uh, to go to Tina's question about anger, I think that's the thing that that a lot of people struggle with. We've said this before. Um, just because you don't have an anger problem doesn't mean anger is not a problem for you. I don't think there's really anyone who finds that anger makes things better in their life. Very, very rarely have I ever lost my temper. And I thought, oh, I'm so glad I did that. It made things much better. Um, and yet um, uh, I lose my temper all the time. And, and I think when you see Marx really is talking about anger and temper in in and in meditations, it's because he too is struggling with that exact thing. Um, and so, uh, so anyways, I, I would definitely, um, check that, uh, I would, we, we have a challenge on this. You can check out. So anger is one. And then I would say patience is the other, uh, someone's asking, uh, does the love aspect of a more Fati contradict the prince? Um, Darren, I'm not sure you want to explain now on mute. What, what do you mean? Uh, yeah, cause I've been, I've been reading on Machiavelli's philosophy and he was mm -hmm. saying, of like uh it's it's better to be hated than uh, it's better to be feared than to be loved in terms of the political sure. uh, structure and you mentioned something about martin luther king that his enemies uh they were they were structured by fear and his was about love so i see what you're uh, saying yes a small breakthrough about you know, sure um, I, I think they're a, a little bit related. When we're talking about a more fati, we, we, we mean sort of this is an individual sort of way that you're going through the world. Um, uh, sure, are there are there leadership styles that that you know effectively rely on intimidation? Sure, um, and and were there <clears throat> in lives of the Stoics? I tell a story of of uh, Arius Didymus advising um, the Emperor Augustus to eliminate one of his rivals by by sort of violent force, which is a very Machiavellian move. Um, you know, whether something is an effective power tactic and whether something is a good strategy in your life and whether it is will result in happiness and contentment and, and uh, being a good person, these are very different things. But I would say um, Martin Luther King's strategy of, of sort of loving his enemies, um, of, not of using uh, nonviolence, ironically created incredible, almost irrational fear in his opponents. Um, and part of what was so effective about his nonviolent strategy is that it, it but, but he would go on these marches and it would create these profound overreactions, these sort of violent televised overreactions um, from segregationists that, that um, although were, would have been brutal to have endured, um, we're, we're ultimately sowing the seeds of, of the destruction of racism, uh, structural racism in that sense. So um, the, the, the people in the South were petrified of, of Martin Luther King. They thought he was a communist. They thought he was an agitator. They thought he was, you know, trying to destroy things. They, 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 they were very much afraid of him. So um, I, I don't necessarily also think the two things are in contradiction in that sense. Should we do uh, one, maybe one more? Billy, is there is there anything you saw on Slack uh, or? I just saw Adam's hand go up there. 
All right, let's do that. Uh, all right, Adam, you got the last one. All right, uh, it might be kind of like what we're doing today, but I'm trying to picture as I read Lives of the Stokes and your other writings, I, in my mind's eye, am picturing the steps with the teacher and the students sitting amongst them, um, and that is the classroom every day. And that classroom might be taught by a different Stoic leader or another talking head with a louder voice. Um, from your perspective, is that the right vision that, um, well, what is your vision? That's kind of my vision what I've put together. Uh, what, what, was, what was life like with all these Stoics talking to one another? Well, I was actually just, so I do this other email every day um, for, for any of the parents uh, on the chat. I, I do an email every day for a site I have called Daily Dad. So I do Daily Stoke every day. And I also do Daily Dad, which is for parents. It's not just for dads, but uh, that's what it's called. And and anyways, I was writing about this today. The 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 Greek word for school, the, the root skole, is uh it just means leisure. And um and I was I was writing about how different uh that I like so school leisure, those are not synonyms in the modern world. They're like antonyms, right? School is this place you go, you have to carry your backpack, you have to get up early. It's like an exhausting grind, and nobody likes it. Um, so the idea of school and leisure, um, this this more sort of leisurely self-directed, sort of reflection-based. Uh, vol almost voluntary form of, of, of education, I found to be really interesting and I think closer to the model. And look, the fact that all of us are here on a Saturday, um, talk, you know, Saturday afternoon at the beginning of the year, when, you know, maybe everyone's going back to work on Monday. Um, and here we are talking about ancient philosophy because we're interested in it. To me, I love that. That is a much closer uh, you know, uh, that's much closer to the idea of scole or, or, or leisure. Um, and, and I think that's like, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's like philosophy is this really important thing and it's urgent, has all these benefits. And at the same time, if you're forcing it, if you're, if you're seeing it as a job or an occupation or a burden, you're probably doing it wrong and you're probably not going to sustain it over your life. Um, there's a story, I don't remember if it's in Lives of the Stokes, but there's a story, Marcus Aurelius is an old man and uh, he's, he's seen leaving the palace and his friend comes up to him and says, um, where are you going? Um, and he says, I am off to see Sextus the philosopher to learn that which I do not yet know. And so here you have the most powerful man in the world using his leisure time to go learn. And actually, as it happens, Sextus is Plutarch's grandson, um, which uh, which is just a wonderful little coincidence. But here you have one of the wisest, most powerful man in the men in the world going to learn, even as an old man. To me, that's sort of my vision of education. He's and it, and the fact that he's saying, "I'm going to learn that which I do not yet know," is just beautiful. I love that so much. And uh, yeah, that's that's maybe a great place to stop. Look, guys, this is so cool. I'm, I'm, if, if everyone wants to put together questions or thoughts for next go around, please do. Please keep trying. Stick with it. Um, wishing everyone a great new year. Uh, this is awesome. And we will uh, we will talk very soon. Be well, everyone. Have a good Saturday. Demand more of yourself in 2022. And one of the ways you can do that is by joining us in the Daily Stoic New Year, New You Challenge. All you have to do is go to dailystoic.com slash challenge to sign up. Remember, Daily Stoic Life members get this challenge and all our challenges for free. But sign up seriously. Think about what one positive change, one good new habit is worth to you. Think about what could be possible if you handed yourself over to a little bit of a program. We all pushed ourselves together. That's what we're going to do in the challenge. I'm going to be doing it. 
I do the challenges, all of them alongside everyone else. I'm looking forward to connecting with everyone in the Discord challenge, all the other bonuses. Anyways, check it out. New year, new you, the Daily Stoic Challenge. Sign up at dailystoic.com slash challenge. Remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuse, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the New Kids and Family Podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat.